Picture this. A guy on a motorcycle rolls into New Haven, Connecticut. But hanging out in back of that motorcycle are two dogs. They're both red, with white paws and floppy ears. One of them's wearing motorcycle glasses. And they're peering out the back at a restaurant on the side of the road called Louis Lunch. It's the birthplace of the uh, American hamburger. The very oh, first yeah. hamburger. Sure. You know this one. Oh, yeah. I've been there. I've been there. Uh, yeah. The motorcycle rumbles to a stop, and the dogs hop out of the trailer onto the sidewalk. But the restaurant, as it turns out, is closed. But even from the outside, it's a cool-looking building. Built in 1895, it looks kind of like an old-timey English pub with diamond panes in the windows and bright red shutters. But it's in the middle of downtown New Haven, Connecticut. And I said, this is an amazing-looking place. It's too bad they're not open, but that's how it goes. Let's take my picture, uh, get back on the motorcycle. And some fella is, is walking towards us saying, what are you doing? Uh, this is a weird thing to do. I said, this is a weird place. I'm getting a picture of the weird place. And he says, oh, you want a burger? Um, do you own this place? He said, no, but I'm here every day. Calls up, I think, the owner and uh, says, yeah, I'll be there in 10 minutes. In the meantime, the guy unlocks the door to the restaurant, fires up the grill, and makes three hamburgers. He serves one to the guy with the motorcycle and then plates the other two for the dogs. We sat there, I think, for two hours with this closed restaurant, just me and the dogs and these two guys telling me all this story. And it was, uh, it was a fantastic uh, little experience, social and, and uh, historical. It was everything. This is how I first became aware of Steve Gallant. Steve posted a photo of his dogs on the motorcycle in front of the restaurant on Instagram. And his whole feed was full of pictures like that, of him and one of his dogs, or then both of them, in front of these interesting far-flung places. But when Steve isn't road tripping on his motorcycle with Dog as co-pilot, he's doing something that might be even more interesting and unusual, traveling aboard an ice-breaking warship for the Canadian Navy. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura. And normally we tell you about a strange, incredible, and wondrous place. But today, one of you is sharing their story with us. Steve Gallant is an Atlas Obscura user, traveler, listener. And in his spare time, he and his dog road trip for weeks at a time, stopping at weird and interesting locations all across the U.S. and Canada. And then when he's at work, Steve's away for many months on these sea trips, which take him to equally interesting and wondrous corners of the planet. We talk with Steve about his travels after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. The most exciting part of a vacation stay at a home rental? Easy. It's being greeted upon arrival with a rusted lockbox affixed to the underside of a stranger's condo. 
Yeah, you simply twist knobs, click gears, jiggle it, and then rip it off its moorings. And voila! Your prize is a key to a questionable home rental and maybe tetanus. When you just want to get your vacation started by actually getting into your room, it matters where you stay. At Hilton, we deliver your key right to your phone on the Hilton Honors app. Hilton for the stay. Steve grew up in a farm town in Ontario. His dad was a truck driver, and when his family went on vacations, they were mostly road trips. We listened to Weird Al a lot, and there was a song called The Biggest Ball of Twine in Minnesota. I know it well. <laughs> and I said to my father, I, I must have been six years old, I don't know. I asked my father, what, what is this? this is, what is the song about? Um, but he says, oh, it's a big ball of twine. It's on the side of the road. It's big and stupid. And I said, I'm going to see that someday. Uh, and then fast forward 20 years, and I got on my motorbike, and I traveled to see the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. Um, and I was, that was like a life-affirming uh, thing to have done. This is where Steve's love of road trips began. And specifically, road trips to, as his dad might say, big, stupid destinations. For years, he brought his first dog, Bricklin, with him in a trailer hooked up to the back of his motorcycle. Unfortunately, Bricklin has since passed away. But Steve got a new dog while Bricklin was still alive. And for a while there, Bricklin, Steve, and the new dog, Dotson, the puppy, were this adorable road-tripping motorcycle gang. And if you scroll through Steve's Instagram, it's at PupperCycle, you'll see pictures of Dotson posing in front of every lighthouse in Prince Edward Island. There is Bricklin posing next to a Christmas tree made out of lobster traps in Nova Scotia, two happy dogs in front of an elephant statue outside of Mr. Ed's Elephant Museum, Dotson sitting in his little sidecar on Steve's motorcycle, looking incredibly stoked with his motorcycle glasses on his little furry head. So this is what I knew about you. You were, the, you were this guy who did this great thing, rode around the country, rode around Canada, went to interesting Atlas Obscura sites with your dog on the motorcycle. And then I come to find out, uh, you email me, and you turn out to have this fascinating job. So my, my job, I'm in the Navy, uh, the Canadian Navy. Uh, so I operate on HMCS Harry Wolf. Uh, I'm the information warfare officer. This ship, the HMCS Harry DeWolf, is the first ship the Canadian Navy's built in 20 years. So it's brand new. It is state-of-the-art. And it's also what's called an ice-breaking warship, which means that it's built to be able to clear a path for itself and other ships by breaking through solid sea ice in the Arctic. And if you've listened to this podcast before, you know I'm fairly obsessed with all things Arctic. But interestingly, this icebreaker is also a warship. It's made to be able to fight should the need arise. It's not a heavy armament warship. We don't have the, the large gun on the front. Uh, we have a smaller weapon, more for defensive purposes. We don't have missiles. We don't have torpedoes. The role of this ship is not to go over and fight World War III. It's for coastal patrols. As the Northwest Passage has become easier to navigate, the Arctic has also become more uh, busy and more interesting, not just to Canada, but also to China, Russia, the U.S., and other countries who'd like to take advantage of the Northwest Passage as a trade route. The HMCS Harry DeWolf is the first ice-breaking warship that's been built to navigate this part of the world in a really long time. But it certainly won't be the last. But the other cool thing about this ship 
is that it doesn't just do Arctic water. It can also hang out very comfortably in, say, the Caribbean. So Steve's last trip aboard the HMCS Harry DeWolf was a coastal patrol of basically the entirety of North America. So up north, we fuel in Greenland, through the Northwest Passage, all the way around Alaska, and then down the West Coast as far as Panama, through Panama, and back home. That's a big trip. I know the Northwest Passage, and I know the Panama Canal, but I hadn't really considered sort of making a, a, a loop. It was... Uh, pretty slow through the Arctic. Uh, and the Arctic is different sailing for a lot of reasons. Um, one, there is that sense of isolation. You don't have facilities. You don't have things that you can rely on that you normally would. Navigating is unique. Uh, a lot of those waters are uncharted. Outside of the very narrow waters that we do have charted for deep sea uh, transits, a lot of those charts are old. Yeah. Very old. I'm talking 1750s old. Yeah. The weather is different too. Uh, of course, we're going through ice, but water in between the sheets place is like glass all the time mm. um just weather i've never really seen before out at sea yeah uh, not even in the middle of halifax harbor when you ever see the water like that it was uh, quite amazing normally when he's at sea steve's ship stops for what are called port visits and that's where all the sailors can get off the boat for a while and go be tourists in the port towns that they pull up to but out in the arctic the port towns that the Navy visits are just tiny communities. And at one point, Steve said that they went 67 days without any port visit at all. Part of Steve's job as the information officer aboard the ship is to participate in briefings with some of the other officers. And a lot of the briefing is just official Navy business. But Steve also saw another opportunity. Just to also give some context of where we are in the world. You know, a ship goes out and sails around the world Sometimes you're in the most interesting places in the world, but you might never know it because you look at the windows, all you see is water. And this is where Steve thought he might have something to offer the briefings. I do. My, my name is Galant, and I say Galant's fun fact. And I say some <laughs> stupid fact that usually doesn't matter, doesn't change anything to our operations. I usually brief it right after navigation. Um, and I say not too far from us right now, is such and such or so-and-so. The first one I formally gave was we were going up the coast of Labrador and we reached the point where roads don't go any further north here. Um, so that there's a town about 40 miles off of our port beam and that's the last town that's connected to the North American network of highways. After this, the next town we'll pass by is Tuktoyuktuk, two months away. And that, to me, it gave uh, context of what, the North is, where it starts, how close to home it actually is, and gives you a, a new feeling of isolation. But of course, the real context here is this, it's an exciting adventure, and that's, that was kind of my goal in saying that. Hearing about Steve's adventures, uh, I can't help but be a little tiny bit jealous. Like, he got to visit the Beachy Island Graves, which uh, if you go back a number of episodes, you'll find a two-part series about how I almost got there, and then things went very wrong. <laughs> is just a legendary site in the history of Arctic exploration. I didn't see a polar bear when I was up there, but the second team that went up did see a polar bear, and I can understand that might be one of the most terrifying <laughs> things. We were always prepared for it. Uh, yeah. We did see polar bears on the ice, uh, but uh, that was the only time they saw them while ashore. So um, that's uh, that was, that'd be very interesting to see myself. I was a little bit jealous, but at the same time relieved I didn't see one. And when Steve and his ship do get to stop in port cities, the sailors get some time off, and Steve gets to see all other kinds of cool stuff. 
Although he's still more of a ball of twine guy than a party in the bars or line up to see the Eiffel Tower kind of guy. Do your fellow naval officers ever like make fun of you for the things that you want to go see? Cause like they're going and doing some kind of normal standard thing and you've gone off to see like whatever weird, <laughs> weird obscure place. Yeah, all the time. Uh, especially <laughs> I'm usually miserable when I get back. Uh, I like to ride motorcycles, which means I ride it in whatever conditions that, <laughs> that are there. And I'll have some friends come with me sometimes. Oh, Adam, you come with me. We'll ride motorcycles together across Madeira. Uh, it's a five-day trip I've got planned out. You're welcome to come with me. He comes with me. And it rained for four days. We're miserable. We're freezing. Uh, <laughs> we get to the mountains. And he says, why don't we go along the coast? It's sunny down there. It's like, yeah, but this is the last road we got to do. We got to do it. Yeah. And I'll come back pretty miserable. And at the end of that trip, started a, a five-year-long kind of ribbing of my friend Adam texting me all the time saying, oh, are you miserable today on your latest trip? Yep, I am. Yeah. <laughs> There's one downside to all of this travel. Steve definitely misses his buddy Dotson during the months he spends away on the ship. I'll tell you, we went down uh, uh, recently, we saw who operated with the Mexican Navy, and they have, I believe, I'm sure it's for drug-sniffing purposes, they have a dog on board their ship. Mm. Boy, when a Canadian ship docks next to a Mexican ship with a dog on board, barking and having a nice time, uh, we all got pretty jealous. Um, <laughs> we all started you, making jokes about leaving the leaving the country, we're going to Mexico. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you got to teach Dotson how to, you know, get, get some naval training uh, going there. <laughs> For now, Steve and Dotson's journeys are limited to the weeks that he gets for shore leave. But Steve's planning on retiring from the Navy in about five years, which means until then, he has plenty of time to research their next big trip together. I've got a road trip planned that's going to take me three years to do. Uh, and I've, I've already planned it out. I've already budgeted for it as well. I have 400 Atlas Obscura sites already <laughs> in my Excel spreadsheet that is, I don't know how many pages long it is, but it's very long. When we talked, Steve was getting ready to head back onto the ship and out into the Arctic. So by the time you hear this, that is where he will be. Floating around on the icebreaker, delivering his fun facts about the places they sail by, and planning his and Dotson's next grand motorcycle trip. And a fairly new thing for our Navy is we have quality of life Wi-Fi, we call it. Um, mm. So uh, data connectivity, and uh, like I will check out your podcast as soon as it comes out. I'll let you know. I'll send it your way. And uh, good good luck out there. Good luck with your uh, Galantz fun facts. Uh, you're gonna have to start sending some to me. I want to hear. I want to hear one or two of them. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. All right. <laughs> have a, a great night, and uh, thanks again for doing this. See you, Steve. Special thanks to Steve Gallant. Uh, again, you can follow his adventures with Dotson on Instagram. His handle is at PupperCycle, B-U-P-P-E-R-C-Y-C-L-E. And if your job takes you to unexpected places or you have some other great Atlas Obscura story you want to tell us, by all means, drop us a note at hello at atlasobscura.com. We would love to hear all about it. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. 
This episode was produced by Sarah Wyman. Edited by Tracy Samuelson. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Manolo Morales, Baudelaire Seuss, Gianna Palmer, John Delore, Casey Holford. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Luce Fleming. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris, wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. Travel is great, but planning for travel can be time-consuming and difficult. That's where One Travel comes in. With One Travel, you'll find everything you need to book the perfect trip. Flights, hotels, cars, transportation, it's all right there. With One Travel, you can book online, via app, or even pick up the phone and talk to a travel advisor ready to help you make your selections. Visit onetravel.com slash music or call 855-437-2154. Plan it, book it, live it. One Travel. The world isn't wide enough for those with an insatiable desire for discovery. The all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid SUV offers the power and freedom to explore further and deeper than ever before. Intuitive, smart features ensure that you're always connected to the road ahead. Inside, a thoughtfully designed cabin immerses you in a universe that is all your own. The larger-than-life panoramic display spans the entire width of the cabin. It's customizable and interactive. Drivers can even personalize their backgrounds with a series of nature-inspired themes. This vehicle signals the arrival of an exciting new chapter for Lincoln. Discover more about the 2024 Lincoln Nautilus at Lincoln.com.